Dominic, I'm the, the lead pastor here, and these are one of these Sundays that is just a highlight for any pastor, for any Christian, that we get to celebrate the work of Christ in people's lives and just mutually encourage one another. And it's this moment I know that we're all going to be encouraged uh, by the way that God is working in, in the lives among us and see it displayed uh, later today. But you know, we also have something else coming up this week, as was alluded to, which is Thanksgiving. And this is the time of the year that we really uh, focus on gratitude and counting all the blessings that God has given us. And last week we spoke on that very subject of contentment, contentment in Christ and knowing that all we really need has come in the person of Jesus and everything else really becomes secondary. It's one of those things that we, we learn our whole life. We never really learn in this life, but when we're in heaven and all we have is Jesus, we know he's all we ever needed. And so when we think about thanksgiving and gratitude, we often come to this point of counting our blessings, thinking about all of the physical things we have, which is good, and we should be doing that regularly. Uh, but we often fail to recognize the most precious gift of them all, and that's really having gratitude for the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, that at its very uh, minimum is, is this idea that here we are as sinful people, that we have no power to work out of the sin, but Jesus has come, he has died for our sins, taken that punishment on the cross, and he's, he's raised, uh, resurrected into life. He, he conquered death for us, that now simply through faith in him, in belief that all he's done is enough for us, we are now given this new life, this eternal life in Jesus that we can be uh, repaired in relationship with God and live with him forever. It's something we often kind of take for granted as this thing that just happened and is always there. But have you, have you really just thought about the gospel? Have you really just wrapped your mind around how amazing this is that this God who created the whole world loved you so deeply and personally that he sent his son to die for you. He didn't have to, but he did. And that's at the core of the gospel of Christ and something I hope for all of us who believe in Jesus as Lord that we continue to be grateful for what he's done. It's astounding. It's amazing all he's done for us. And, and I encourage you now just to stand in awe of what Jesus did and maybe ask yourself the question, where would I be without the gospel, the good news of Jesus? What would my life look like both now and forever? And asking that question is going to bring you to a natural place of gratitude and thanksgiving for all that God has done to you. And it's something we see the Apostle Paul kind of working through as he's, he's writing, to the letter, writing this letter to the church of Colossae and reminding them all that's been given. And, and he has this heartfelt thanksgiving for all that God is doing in their lives. So we're going to read uh, just a short uh, section this morning out of Colossians, if you want to open up in your Bibles now. Colossians 1, 3 through 6. But join me in prayer before we start this morning. So God, we thank you uh, for all you've done. In, in us and through us and for us. And, and God, so many times we, we tend to forget everything you, you truly have done for us when we think about all the other worries and the anxieties of life. But Lord, life's greatest problem 
has already been addressed and solved by you. And we can trust you in that, that all other things will be taken care of in your power and your time. So this morning, God, as we think about your gospel that is alive and active in all who believe, may we just come to a new level of gratitude and thanks for what you've done. So this morning, God, we just commit this time to you, and, and when we celebrate this moment later of your gospel being alive and, and the individuals who are being baptized, uh, God, we just thank you for all you've done, that you have uh, loved us so deeply. May we just love you in, in a similar way, uh, day by day. We pray this now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's read together uh, Colossians 1, 3 through 6. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it had, has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Now, what we just read is not something uncommon uh, to Paul and his epistles. He often starts with a prayer of thanksgiving for the people he's, he's talking to. And in this, we see really um, three parts that we're going to be going through this morning, somewhat quickly, about how we can be grateful for the gospel in our lives. And, and the first is this, that we can be grateful, this gospel of Jesus connects you with fellow believers. We read those words of Paul that we always thank God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all of God's people. And there's this moment when you believe in Jesus and his good news that you instantly become connected to the oldest and the largest family on earth, the body of Christ. And it's this immense blessing that we sometimes overlook. Now, our natural inclination as Americans in the Western society is to go through life alone and individualized and personalized. But we know through the scriptures that when you become a believer, you're in this body, this family, that we all are under the lordship of Christ, but we now are connected with one another, that we serve him, but we also serve one another. We love him, but we also love one another. And it's something that's not possible without the gospel of Christ. So when you ask yourself the question, where would I be without the gospel? Well, you would be alone. You'd be very alone. There's so many ups and downs, peaks and valleys of life that without this great body, this great family, you end up doing it alone or with a small group of people. But we're told that we can rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, that in all things we're connected together through the body of Christ. And so Paul has this moment where he just says, very honestly, I don't believe this is some sort of flattery, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for all I'm hearing about what's happening in your communities. And he has this, this moment of encouragement to them. And what's most amazing about this is that Paul's never met these people. He's only heard of them. And he's excited to meet them and encourage them in the Lord. And that's how the body of Christ is supposed to work in our day and age. 
And what we're seeing now is we're getting a lot of our area churches together, uh, Christians coming together to worship and to pray together from different denominations and backgrounds and styles. This is how it's designed to be. And even in our own community, that we get to share life with each other and be praying for one another. It's one of our greatest privileges that we can share life with one another. And as we look at our vision as a church, that we're one to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. That second point, connect with others, is not our own idea. It's what we see all through the scriptures, the New Testament, that there's this unity and fellowship among believers that is just otherworldly. That we come, that Christ would, would break down these divisions and these walls of hostility that in a worldly sense you'll always find, but in a Christian sense we're brought together. We can be grateful for the gospel because it connects us with one another on a profound level that is not possible without the good news of Jesus. Because we share a common faith with one another. That Jesus is above us all, and we are collectively under him. And there's this amazing love that we can share for all God's people. And we're going to talk about faith and love more in the next verse, but it's not our love. I'll tell you that much right now. It's only possible by the love of God working through in each and every one of us. So in a world where there's much uh, division and combativeness, this Christian unity is, is one that's part of a collective effort, this, this love that we share with one another and this encouragement that's only found through the power of the gospel. Be grateful. Be grateful for that. Second part is really what the gospel does in each one of us, that it changes every part of our life. And in verse 5, we see these three virtues pop up, faith, love, and hope. All right, and these are kind of the big three for the Christian life. It's really what changes every part of us. And faith really talks about um, what we have experienced in the past, all the ways that we've seen God work. And we have this, this trust that God will continue to work. And faith, as we understand from the gospel, is that Jesus came. That he came to solve this great issue of humanity, sin, our greatest problem. And so we have this faith that if Jesus did that, then he's not going to fail us in what's coming ahead. You see, in a worldly sense, faith always has to do with what we're capable of, either individually or in communities or, or societies. What can we build and trust in as people? And interwoven in that kind of faith is always a bit of skepticism and doubt because we know we're fallible. And so we always ask the question, what if it doesn't work? That's our level of faith without God. But with God, who we know who can do all things, we have, a, we have this unwavering trust in which we say, what can God do that we can't imagine? What can he do that we're not capable of ourselves? And there's this un, unwavering optimism that God will work all things together. You know, God worked in, a lot, worked in a lot of amazing ways in the Old Testament, as we see, uh, New Testament, of course, as well. 
Well, one thing he did uh, often is he institute these festivals and memorials and holidays that when, when God worked in a mighty way, he would tell his people, now remember this. Okay, and that's what most of these holidays and festivals they do every year would do, would, would be remembering key moments of God's provision. And in the book of Exodus, we read that even after he sent the ten plagues to lead all of his, his people out of slavery, when he led them by pillars of fire and smoke, when he split the Red Sea and, and swallowed up Pharaoh's army, it took nine days for these same people who experienced all of that to say, where is God in all of this? What has he done? And the, the beauty of the gospel is it gives us this faith that if Jesus did what he did, we know that God wouldn't fail us in anything else. It's looking to the past and having trust and hope in the future. And this love that springs up in all of us, okay, this is God's love. And the ways that we're able to love each other indiscriminately, the ways we can move past all the things that in the world would separate us and now unify us in Christ, it's it's not us who love, but it's God who loved us first. It's only possible by this new life we have in Christ where his love is working in each and every one of us. The believer in Christ knows that, that Jesus died for all people who would believe. So we have this understanding that if that same love of Jesus is in us, that we have a love for all people who believe. We have this unfailing love in one another, only made possible by the gospel. And hope is that last, that last virtue that we see here. And this really is, is a future-focused idea. And, and hope is one of those really important parts of the Christian life. It becomes probably a, a cornerstone of our testimony in the world. But we often under, misunderstand hope. And we, we usually adopt this worldly idea of hope, which is Really, again, pessimism. I hope this bad thing doesn't happen to me. I hope that despite everything happening, things will be better. But hope, in a biblical sense, is this confidence in God. I know he will never leave me or forsake me, and in all things I can have this hope in him, no matter the circumstances around me. And as we see in this verse, this hope is only made possible by what you've heard in the true message, the gospel of Christ. In other words, this hope is not found anywhere else in the world, but in the gospel of Christ. This hope that's stored up in heaven, that no matter what happens here, it won't affect the hope we have in God. We get so distracted by the ordinary and the insignificant that we forget that there's this big and amazing God who's worked all of these things together through the centuries and the millennia, and he has a lot left to do. We have hope in him. And these three things together totally changes our life. That we're made new creations in Christ. And everything we used to be is no longer who we are in Christ. And it just keeps getting better. And it's not instant, but it's consistent, that God is always working in you, that the power of his spirit is alive in your life when you believe in the true message, the gospel of Christ. And we can be grateful for that. And the final point today is, 
is one that might kind of change your perspective a bit, I hope. We can be grateful that the gospel is for all people in the world. And that's where we see this idea that, that this gospel is bearing fruit and growing through the whole world, that it's been doing uh, in others basically what it's been doing in these believers. So the same gospel, if you believe that, the way it's working in your life, it can, it can work for anyone. And sometimes we, we adopt this really narrow and kind of myopic view of the gospel, right? Especially if you grew up in a Christian household or a Christian community. You kind of think sometimes that the gospel originated here, and now it's our job to bring it to the rest of the world, the outsiders, if you will. But we forget that we are the outsiders, the reason why we have the faith is that it was extended beyond any kind of wall. And there's many in the early church who believed that Jesus came only for the Jews and that the gospel was only for God's favored people. You even see some of the apostles kind of working out those ideas amongst themselves in the book of Acts. But the reality is that Jesus always had come for anyone who would believe. It's for the whole world. And we now, not aware of any uh, full-blooded Jews in our congregation, we are the Gentiles in which this gospel has been extended, part of this worldwide effort. That what Jesus did and who God is is not, not this, this, this movement that's part of one small society or culture, but it's for everyone who would believe. And that means any kind of culture, that means any kind of language or background. Jesus died for the sinner. He died for the ungodly, and it makes worldly and logical sense that he'd only die for the good ones, the faithful ones. He died for all of us who sinned. And every person, this gospel is this universal language understood around the world. We can be thankful and grateful that the gospel is for all people because it means it's also for us. And the last point, which is kind of a bonus one we're not going to go through here, is we can be grateful that someone shared the gospel with you. Okay, And in this text we didn't read after this, he, he talks about his fellow worker, Epaphras, who shared the gospel with this church and now seeing it alive and active. We all have this opportunity to share this gospel with others. And at some point in your life, if you believe this, somebody loved you enough to share it with you. And it's this gift that keeps on giving to the world so long as we believe it and we share it. And it changes everything about us and ultimately it'll change everything about the world. The gospel is the core of everything we are as Christians. And we can be grateful for that. You know, when we, when we talk about the gospel and the new lives, it really sets us up for what we're about to share together as a community, these baptisms. And if you're new here today and you're not sure kind of how we do baptism, I'm just going to give you three quick points so you understand. And the, the first is this, that, that baptism, why we practice it first is that it's a commandment of Christ. And just like in the Old Testament when you would have those moments that you would You'd set up so you remember all that God has done. That's kind of what baptism and communion are, is that these, these points to remember what God has done. So baptism is, is this rich, uh, there's this rich significance that shows that the believer who placed their, their faith in Christ now have died to themselves and they've been raised up into new life in, in Christ. 
And so baptism itself is not an act that saves you, but rather represents what God has already done in your life when you come to faith in him. And you'll see that today as we immerse them into the water, it represents the death of their old self. We raise them into new life. It it represents their newness of life in the spirit as they now walk with Christ. It's a powerful metaphor of what Jesus is doing inside of the believer. We also believe that uh, baptism is, is not something that we, we must do. Okay? It's something that's for professing believers. And all throughout the New Testament, we see people who are professing a faith in Christ will, will take this step of faith in baptism. And that means for us that we don't do infant baptisms here, but rather we do what we call believer's baptisms. And it's, it's something I've already worked with all four candidates that I'm going to introduce in a moment. I can assure uh, to all of you that they have professing faith in Jesus and that the gospel is alive in them. Jesus is living through them. But we're also going to give them a moment to share their testimony with you. And it's a moment we talked before the service. It's it's probably nerve-wracking. Public speaking isn't for everyone. But this is going to be something I want to encourage all of you that you're about to share. This is going to be one of the most encouraging things that we've all heard in a really long time. So we're thankful for you sharing your profession of faith and Jesus as it encourages all of us. So in this moment, I'm going to invite those. Uh, we have four who had expressed interest in baptism today. If you just want to come up to the front.